You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by CurioSoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. Thanks again for listening to the show. This interview is inspired by a quick meetup at the Game Developers Conference. I also wanted to thank the folks that have put up their info on the Game Dev Wiki. For those of you looking to promote your game, blog, or site, feel free to put your info on the wiki too. Now on to the interview. Welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show. With me today is another special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Okay, hello. My name is Jetro Lauha, and uh, I have been creating some indie games for quite some years, and you may already know the games called Stair This Month and Truck This Month, for example. How did you get into games? Uh, I started making little and very simple games about 20 years ago or so when I started le learning programming. And uh, in the 90s I came up to making some shareware games. I distributed them with modem to some bulletin board systems and people registered the game by sending mail and I sent a registered copy back to, back to them. And uh, later I started making games professionally by going to work in a mobile game startup, which is still what I'm doing uh, during days for now. How did you feel when you got your first registration? Uh, it was, of course, quite great. Great to see that somebody was uh, interested in in our games and stuff like that. And I'm not actually sure if, it's, if it was the first one, but at least one of the first ones was actually from United States. Even that I'm based in Finland and we got a, got a check uh, check and we didn't even know how to how to cash it <laughs> but we actually never did that but we sent the registration anyway how did you come up with uh, the idea to post these things on bulletin boards uh, it was quite typical uh, typical to use those in those days so very many people uh, using computers, uh, use their modems to call the local bulletin boards and and so it was quite quite a natural way to do use that for distribution back then. What was this game that got the registrations? Um, we had had a few, there, there was this little uh, boulder dash like clone called Duff, it got only a few and there was this little, little bit better um, cave flying game called Cops, which I created, and it got uh, it was probably the best of my shareware games from those days. It got got me some nice uh, pocket cash. You release these games, and they get registered. What are you thinking after that? Were you thinking of working on other games? Were you thinking of just starting your own company doing this? Well, I was still going to school and stuff like that during those days, so I, I didn't actually many make any great plans. Just I was happy to get some registrations and uh, naturally I created uh, started, started making some other games as well and uh, I had the same idea again that I would sell those games, but uh, at some, some point actually it just kind of died off and they, uh, it was there was maybe two years I didn't create much anything because I focused more on studies and 
stuff, stuff like that. How did you get into the indie game scene? Well, uh, I guess I just kind of drift, drifted in it with my hobby stuff because uh, that's what ho how I have created my ga games when I'm uh, in my free time uh, always. So I just maybe some at some point I just noticed that okay uh, maybe I belong in the in the game scene or so. You mentioned taking two years off, and then pos Then did you get back into games after that? Yeah, uh, I I'm not sure if it was exactly like two years or so, but I just uh, by looking at the past, I noticed that, that at some point I couldn't get anything to release. Uh, there might be various reasons for that, but partly at least uh, it is the fact that I um, had studies at university. Going, going quite strong at that point, and um, then later I went also to start to work in, working uh, for a day, daytime job. It wasn't uh, games related at that point yet, but uh, after two years uh, in work, I then uh, left that that work and started working in a game games company. And but already by that time, I sta had started making some hobby games again, but. Those were kind of smaller ones, which which wasn't uh, that cool <laughs> much, but still something something to get going. Anyway, what what types of games were these hobby games? Uh, I used to ponder around with different techniques. So I, for example, I created some Java applet games, which were so it's just something really simple. But anyway, tried out different things and. Uh, uh, there was also some, some um, where we also cloned some older games uh, to like for example I really like Space Taxi and uh, I created one game which has elements from it but I never really finished it so it was just kind of a preview the, even the one uh, version of it I distributed so I never got around to finishing it. Were you thinking of distributing your games on the internet by this time? Uh, not really, because the internet wasn't that big or common common yet at uh, at at those that point. So I didn't uh, think of it uh, yet at that important, or or maybe of course it was starting to be something which was uh, was clearly. Clear is going to going to be the major or major distribution medium like I believe it's now and will be even more important in the future. But at that point, uh, it wasn't that clear to me what was, would be the right way to distribute the games. Anyway, after these small hobby games, were you thinking of other games to design? Did you have any other ideas in mind? Um. Well, um, after after I had pondered with that kind of stuff uh, uh, for a while, and I, I got a good, nice idea. Um, <clears throat> I was already at this point. I was working for the mobile games industry, and at at one day I got the idea. Well, I almost fell in stairs myself, and got the idea that maybe I could try to make a game out of that, and. That was a quite nice start. Start to making something different and new again for me, 
because it involved uh, involved uh, uh, taking a physics engine and learning how to, how how those those work and making a new game with it. I still think the Stereo of Mars is is a small hobby game, but it was still uh, uh, clearly something different for me, which would be good direction to continue, especially with the uh, introduction of physics physics for my and uh, since since that time I have been increasingly interested in physics physics in games when you developed stair dismount what was the process for doing it did you <clears throat> prototype a lot did you have to just create some kind of physics engine and then go from there or talk about the process a little uh, well uh, for stair dismount, I didn't really uh, have separate prototypes. It was quite iterative, actually. Uh, so that I, I I used the ODE open source physics engine in the game, and uh, what I first did was like uh, I just picked out of one of the, its uh, example uh, framework frameworks and uh, backed up some of my own ob objects there. And then checked out how how the physics work, and uh, then I uh, searched for a tool to model model a physics uh, object uh, as a linked set of bodies and how how to set their joint properties and stuff like that. And found a nice tool called Juice, and I used that to create a ragdoll, and then I created my own loader for its format, uh, which Juice uh, exported in XML format and. And that's how, how it started. Like uh, I finally got to load load the ragdoll, and uh, then then noticed okay, I mixed up with the joints, but it really I got for finally it working, and then then I started to add something, uh, try try out what could work as the environment, and just ended up with really really uh, simple set of stairs after a few different kinds of tries with that. During this process, did you have other people play the game? Uh, yeah, quite quite early in the process, I uh, I had just one version of the game where the ragdoll was there, but I think there wasn't even the stairs yet. So you just just could just lift the ragdoll up and nothing else. And I, even at that point, I gave out a build to test to my friends and get some feedback and. Well, everybody loved loved it already at that point, so it was quite nice to see how, how that it is a good direction to continue with the game. How long did it take to finish the game? About two weeks. Uh, it was vacation time for me, so those <laughs> those were were like quite long days. I was really enthusiastic and inter. Um, uh, wanted to get get the game uh, done, and also there was this deadline for me because I wanted to get the game uh, done so that I could put it to the local assembly LAN event uh, in Finland because they had a game development competition there for the first time. It was annual event, and uh, they had of course a deadline where have to sub submit the game and I worked up until the last minute and I think I even left out building the server side so that I just created the client side submission code for the high scores but left out the server side for the next day because I could do that after the deadline <laughs> anyway. 
So, so you release the game. You submit it to this competition. This was the first time the competition was was happening. Yeah. <clears throat> when you release it to the competition, well, you had it done by that time. Did you do anything else, like put it on the internet? Yeah, that's how how it went. That uh, it was pretty re released to the internet at uh, that point. This was around two thousand and two, um, and uh, actually, it was quite nice to see that uh, uh, it really got spread very quickly in the internet. People were telling <laughs> about it <laughs> to each other in the forums, and usually there were always you know, some off-topic area and, uh, and some forums, and where people point out that there's this cool game, and it was great, great way way to see that uh, it really spread out. And I haven't e hadn't even thought about it that it would take off like that, because uh, I had just thought about the game development competition there, and I want to put it there. And it was just kind of a surprise for me. Wow, suddenly it's all, all over the internet as well. But, and by the way, the game won the competition, so <laughs> it was a success on there as well. Great. When you heard about all this uh, excitement over the product or over the game on the internet, what were your thoughts at that point? Were you thinking of enhancing the game? Were you thinking of building a community around it? Uh, well, of course I had ideas, ideas, a kind of to-do list which I just, just couldn't finish. But the fact was that uh, my day job, uh, my vacation was over at that point and I had to return my day job and the game project we had there. And also my studies on top of the day job. So uh, it ended up being so that I really didn't do much, much at all for the game after releasing it. And this same pattern continued next year when I had vacation. I created the truck dismount and released it. And then again, I was so busy that I couldn't really update it. Well, later I, um, there was luckily this, this one volunteer who helped me to port to Mac OS X and Linux, and we did some updates and released those. But but mostly it was so that uh, the games didn't really get any major feature updates later. And uh, that's something I really regret, and I really hope that I will be more successful successful when I return to the physics or, or this month series at some point. Because you used open source, were you thinking of open sourcing your game so that other people could contribute? Like you mentioned, you had a volunteer. Were there any thoughts of having, say, a volunteer group of programmers help you improve, or artists help you improve things? Well... No, not really. The more more of my using open source libraries and portable libraries was the fact that I wanted to keep keep the door open so that I can I, the games could be ported quite easily to other platforms than Windows. Uh, so that was the main motivation for me to use open source libraries, which I already know that they can be ported. And actually, I didn't even use all 100% open source, but I selected libraries which I knew would be available uh, also on the other platforms like Mac or, Mac or Linux. For example, uh, FMOD Audio Library is one of those. You release Truck Dismount. What happens? Well, again, it uh, gets spread in the internet like fire and uh, even more than the stereo dismount that time. 
so it was again very nice to see how, how it went and this time I had also uh, put it to the same events uh, game development competition and again it won, won the competition there as well so that was really really great great to see how it how it uh, was received that uh, the typical gamers really uh, liked liked the, liked that there was a sequel to the game and I didn't get critique like uh, I'm using just the same stuff much at all because you were doing physics for both of these games were you getting more interested in doing more physics in the future or were you getting tired of doing physics no 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 not at all I just came uh, more interested uh, in the physics so that uh, even uh, after that I started to cre create some tests of my own physics code as well well of course it's it's nowhere near near the quality or coolness of ODE engine but uh, that's still something I really enjoyed trying out to making own stuff as well and I also created it uh, kind of different focus in mind so that um, I created some code with, which uh, is scalable down to even mobile platforms so, so that they work, work with fixed point math for example and mm -hmm. that's something uh, the later game called Pogo Sticker is based on it's just 2D but the physics are really lightweight in that game when you developed Truck Dismount, did you use a different development process or feedback process when you were putting the game together? Uh, not really. It was, again, again very, very uh, limited amount of time, so I had to work quick, quickly and only could uh, get feedback uh, at relatively late point at the, to the project and uh, only at that point, of, I of course tried to try to fix things I got from got from feedback, but still, still most of it was done at the point I could could show it around. Also, I started with truck dismount, so that I of course took some base code from the stereo dismount and then threw away the worst hacks I had created the stereo dismount, so that I started out with making some UI code which I really sucked in the stair dismount and wanted to make make it at least a little bit better with the truck dismount and stuff like that and uh, later when I created this uh, it uh, it's kind of prototype still called uh, dismount levels uh, which isn't as fun as those but uh, it's more open-ended environment with editor and scripting language and stuff and it's kind of still still shaping up uh, what could it be uh, in the end but but uh, for that project, I almost rewrote the whole basic architecture of my code base after seeing, seeing how it could be created better. You mentioned having limited time constraints. Do you feel that having to code these games in only a few weeks helped you a lot in terms of helping you uh, keep focused? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think that's quite a major point there that... Uh, had, I had to keep focused on on what makes the game fun, and I really really could could uh, and had to cut through some corners so that uh, I saw that I had used some too much time on some aspect already and decided that okay I can't work on that anymore and I have to continue with something else so that I can get the game 
finished after all. So in because of this, for example, in truck dismount, in fact, the wheels don't rotate at all. They're just some static balls as their colliders. Uh, and the truck is actually just pushed with uh, arbitrary ad hoc force from back of it uh, instead of rotating wheels because that wasn't the core part of the gameplay. So it doesn't matter how I move the truck, but more like uh, how the truck interacts with the ragdoll. You mentioned putting in long hours during these <clears throat> short development cycles. Can you talk about exactly how you go about the development? Are you doing, say, 12 hours of programming during this like two-week cycle, or do you have to break it up and do, say, you know, three hours of research, four hours of programming, stuff like that, or is it just one big code of thought? Uh, no, I... I... It's kind of hard, hard to say uh, in exact details I, as I didn't keep that good time logs. Although I have have participated a few times in the Ludum Dare 48 hours game development competition, and I have have kept better time logs during um, that those competitions of how I spent my time. But I think I usually kind of interleave my things what I work in uh, quite uh, so that I kind of, kind of sporadic moments of doing some research and then reading about some stuff and then diving into code and work with it for for some hours. If I get get the kind of flow state with the code then it may take take a bit longer longer to work with it but usually it's it's a, a few hours at maximum and then I have to do something else again because Otherwise, it gets kind of tiresome to brain, <laughs> brain, or so that's how I feel. You mentioned all. having to do something else. Is there anything you do right after coding, say when you're doing this two-week codeathon, right after coding, that you, um, that allows you to recuperate your energy so you can do more coding later on, or is, is it just random? In terms of you just have to go do other There's hobbies. No, nothing else I I could really point out being the single thing. So it's often like I just go away from computer and uh, maybe have a meal or a short break or something, or or I go and browse browse some forums which uh, talk about indie games like or or programming or. Or that just uh, maybe chat with my friends in over IRC or see different different things like that. Usually, after you released Truck Dismount, and as you mentioned, it was gaining or it got more popular than your initial Stair Dismount. Were you thinking of selling these games? Were you thinking of starting a company around these games? What were your thoughts? Well, um, I certainly started to think about that uh, this could be some business as well. But uh, again, I was too busy with my day job and studies, so I couldn't put enough because this was still a kind of hobby project. I I didn't make them to support me, but just to attend some game development competition and have fun. Uh, in retrospect, it's kind of lousy for me not putting it a, a bit extra effort to them to make make them sellable pro, pro, products because I, I think they could could have done quite well uh, even from the feedback I have got from people uh, mailing me and everything like that. 
but uh, I think I have learned something there, and uh, maybe maybe I can work better with that in the future. Still, uh, at least there's a good side as well because because they have been free, so it means they have been uh, gotten gotten so wide distribution so that very many people already know the games. If if I mention that those to them. So I think that's a very good asset for me to work in the future, so that they already are familiar with something I have created before. After you release these games, what types or what kind of feedback and suggestions were you getting from audiences and players? Uh, mostly I have got just a very very positive full feedback. Uh, very many people mail mail me and say it's a great stress stress relief to play the games. And some some went to as far as a lengthy description of how this game has dominated their life more than anything in world <laughs> before, or, or some really weird stuff like that. Great. And, uh, <laughs> so I got uh, and. Quite a few people even mentioned that they would be willing to pay for a game like that. We given there would be a few little extra extra features they would like to have in the game. And at some point, I I went went through the hundreds of emails I have had got and the credit document where I have compiled together the what kind of feature people have. Ask, ask the most, and that's something I'm going to use and look at at least uh, for some future games. So I know know what people want to want want to have in the game and use that as, as a base point for what to what to work next. You mentioned having a high score system in the games. Yeah. And having a server side for it. Yeah. Did you think of trying to build a community then around? contests and other things similar to say what bridge construction set tried to do um, not really about the high score stuff but for the these mount levels I thought that uh, because it was more open-ended that uh, it could work quite well as a community for, for people creating their own levels and stuff uh, unfortunately because again of the same kind of time constraint situation, I had to really rush through through to get even some kind of version out of it at that point, and uh, uh, later I I had only limited time to supporting and continuing development on it. But still, uh, that that generated uh, enough interest that there was a few tens of uh, own levels some people made, and uh, some even created their own Java code to export XML for my game or something like that. So that at least showed me that um, there's a viable way that uh, it is possible to create a community like that. And I hope that uh, I, I can make that better at, uh, and uh, strengthen that side uh, in some future projects. Uh, and it's also nice to see that uh, as I didn't put uh, my own forums or, star or something like that up, there was some fans who create fan site and put out forums there, and that's actually kind of the semi-official way nowadays to talk about the dismount games to go on one of the fan site forums. Because of all these volunteers doing stuff, creating fan sites, even programming stuff to allow exporting, 
some of the data, were you thinking of tapping into their volunteer efforts to help improve the game or polish it up and make it a saleable product? Um, yeah, I thought about that as well, that as well and uh, I tried to involve one one player who was quite uh, showed quite a nice technical understanding regarding uh, the mods and stuff like that. And uh, we had some chats and stuff like that, but uh, it didn't really work out too well in the end, so that uh, he didn't seem to have time or will, to, after all, to do anything in the game. So it works much better when, when there is one guy who ask, asks that he wants to port the games to Mac OS and Linux, and at, when I agreed, to, okay, let's do it, and that worked out really well. He, he really did a great job, job on that. And uh, it's actually just we are still still waiting to release the truck dismount port, but just that's just uh, more like about doing some final testing and packaging to uh, than actually it has been re uh, the porting work has been ready for quite a while now. You mentioned that your port to Mac OS X is almost done. Have you thought of listing? some of the potential volunteer jobs on your website and then having people email you if they're interested in doing that particular job or task? Uh, not really, actually. Um, that could be a nice idea as well, but uh, I have noticed also that with the porting or, or any other volunteer type of stuff, there's still, still the fact that uh, there has, has to be somebody who keeps the strings together and uh, takes control of the development. And so far, I have been too busy, so that it has been hard for me to take take uh, take even uh, control of the few little uh, volunteer efforts I have had. So that's maybe one reason I haven't haven't been too eager to add add a lot of volunteers to working work for me because I uh, that still means I have to have more t more time for support me as well from me as well to support the development after truck dismount were you thinking of doing something else in terms of games uh, Nothing too special I was again at the situation that I had 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 to go back to my day job and studies. So, of course, I had had ideas what I could be doing in the future, but I didn't have any specific plan at that point. When did you get inspired again to make another hobby game? Uh, I guess it was again at the next next point when I had some vacation time because I, it is almost like a tradition for me now to when I, whenever I have vacation uh, at summer or so instead of being out uh, I just stay in and code a new game or something like that. <laughs> so, Great. What what was the next game you were doing, and at the next vacation? Uh, after track this month. Yes. Uh, it, 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 wait a minute, uh, it, it was the dismount levels, actually, with, which wasn't that successful because it's more, more like a framework for doing different kinds of stuff. So, 
So uh, I was maybe a little bit put off of the fact that I didn't have enough time to work on it and it was le left out after a, a few updates updates to it. I, I actually that time I could could put even a, a bit of extra time to continuing with the development of it. But uh, after a while it kind of got back again and I got more interested in some other uh, things like uh, next year I created the Pogo sticker and, and uh, last year I uh, created a racing pitch. But I still still think that I'm going going to continue with this Matlevus code base and start making something new with again. Let's talk about Pogo sticker. Did you you did that then the the vacation after the dismount levels vacation? Yeah. And what was the inspiration for that? Because up to that point, you were doing dismount levels or dismount games. Yeah. So what inspired you to do something different? Well, um, uh, I had to spend spent a few weeks creating uh, this 2D physics gold and colliders for it and things like that. And uh, actually, I first created it even so that it worked on mobile platforms. I ported uh, some of my prototypes to uh, the device called Tapway Zodiac. And uh, Trying, trying to think about some new concepts of games and stuff like that. And then then uh, there was again this assembly event <laughs> coming strongly and uh, I thought that I was, again it would be nice to contribute in the game development competition there. It has been kind of uh, uh, something to aim for and it has been a very nice way to uh, Get get me myself to doing actually something, and getting it to re released state. So after I cr had created some prototypes, the Pogo sticker engine or the code base I had, I decided that okay, I'm going to try to make a game with uh, with uh, jumping so that the user uh, jumps around uh, the character using the 2D 2D code, and that. That's how it started to form format after some prototyping, and I just decided, okay, this is good, good enough to make a few different levels. And at that uh, time, I actually involved more, more of the, my friends as well with the game, so that uh, most of the levels are actually just created by two of my friends, and also I got the graphics help from my wife. So I personally did a bit less that time in the project. Did you also have your friends playing it while it was being developed? Yeah, and uh, also the guys who created levels, I asked them that they could provide me uh, so with the high score targets uh, times so that they I can get a good idea of what kind of time can be achieved in each level. And so we could give the player some medals based on his uh, achievements. Because naturally, I maybe I wasn't as good player for those levels they created as they were themselves when they were creating levels. So that that also helped to fix fix and tune out the gameplay. Although uh, at retrospect, I have noticed that the one mistake with Pogo sticker and which I repeated with, with my next game was the fact that uh, the learning curve is just too steep. 
so that the, maybe the first level is easy, but then it too too quickly it gets too hard. Were there but that's uh, yeah, that's something I think can can be fixed with uh, more time to make the game and not having a schedule of one or two weeks or so, <laughs> because uh, when when the time schedule is so tight, it's becomes next to impossible to make an actually good round of tests and uh, feedback to tune out the difficulty in gameplay. Because you had other people helping you this time, did you find that development went more smoothly or was it more challenging? Uh, for Pogosticker it went, I think it went more smoothly because it was really helpful so that the uh, I didn't have to myself uh, spend time on making levels because that was that that's potentially quite time consuming to create levels and also when I because I involved uh, people who were a little bit with uh, art or level design skills that I am I got actually better levels than I would probably have created myself alone so that was really really good to involve my other people on that side on the project and I cannot say it's the same for my next game as well. Well, it was the racing pitch. It also help 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 to involve some other people as well with the game. Once you released it, what happened <clears throat> in terms um, of fan response or player response? Well, uh, for Pongo Sticker, it uh, it wasn't that that big success compared to Dismount games because it's quite different game from those and uh, it also is clearly uh, a game which appeals more to hardcore gamers than, than uh, for a wide audience because if you look at these month games it's actually uh, those are games who, who appeal to people who are not gamers at all just happen to somehow see the game and are still eager to test it out but Pogo Sticker is something uh, which re requires player uh, to have be very good with mouse, so it kind of re requires precision mousing and uh, mouse movements and uh, kind of uh, that kind of. So it works works better for players who are like FPS players or are like uh, or, or very very skilled at using mouse to control a game. So it it's totally different uh, gamer gamer profile needed to play the game. But still, uh, there was, it was very nice to see that quite many players submit screenshots how, how good times they got and how, how they beat every time in the game. So I know that, okay, it was cool to see that it's not too impossible to play the game, even that uh, got some critique of it, that it's, it's a bit hard, hard to become good at. For your next game after that, what what was it and what inspired it? Uh, next one after Pogosticker is the racing pitch I created last year and it was also now a finalist in the independent games festival and uh, that uh, that inspiration for that game is um, is uh, was one thing we have talked um, with among friends for quite some years we have already always had the joke of making a game where you drive a car with only your voice using a microphone and uh, it was just a joke for quite a long time and finally I decided that okay now I, now I have to actually 
try it out and see what, what could I create of the idea, at least some kind of execution of the idea. And so I set out uh, to create, create the game and because I didn't have uh, that much uh, experience before with audio analysis, so naturally the first time uh, the first uh, point for me was to create some kind of tests with it. So I spent some, spent some time creating a few prototypes with the audio analysis and uh, see how I, how I can extract uh, voice pitch from there and uh, how I can map it to some sensible controls that I can use for actual gameplay. And that works quite uh, well, but Still, I have to say that the audio-based gameplay is uh, quite challenging because it's hard to demonstrate uh, in noisy environments and people tend to be quite shy to play those in public in front of other people who might not know them more. So, so there's a unique set of problems related to audio-based gameplay which I have now <laughs> came to see that, okay, it's, it's not that easy. But still, it's very nice. I got got to make the test and see what what could be this kind of game. Once you you worked in a team again for this game. Yeah, mostly. Well, quite a big part of the game is created by me alone. But uh, I then involved one other person to help with the graphics and uh, levels as I was running out of time. Uh, but uh, the bigger part of the help was then actually the fact that a few of my friends helped me to create a presentation video for the game. And that was very essential because uh, there was the pro problem that uh, we was, I was again putting this to a game development competition and traditionally they showed a video of the gameplay in the competition and that's it, which was pre-recorded at some point during the event. and. Uh, and I noticed that, okay, this kind of game, if I want to show it off on a video screen to people, they are going to think that it has sucky audio or something like that. They don't get that. <laughs> they think that why, why the game audio is made with some mouth and <laughs> it doesn't sound realistic at all. Yeah. So I asked uh, before, before the event, I asked for permission to have, have a before uh, pre-prepared video to present the game, which we can ed edit ourselves, and then we created a video which uh, shows the player playing the game with a microphone on hand and all that, so that uh, people can easily get the idea that, okay, the control is based on the microphone, and that was a really good good way to show the game around it. Uh, so it, it didn't win the competition because the uh, competition was won by a Guitar Hero clone, but <laughs> I got to, we got to be second with the game, and I, I think it was very essential that we had the presentation video to show of the game and some goofy things with it. Did you find working in a team again, or working at least with other people, more effective or less effective in terms of making a creative game? Uh, it sure was more, more effective because... Uh, Always uh, you get some fresh ideas and good feedback when you work with friends to uh, do things, but it still helps helps if you if one can concentrate on the 
core core gameplay and ideas for a while without without too much distractions uh, first, and uh, then it's just kind of one thing that they one has to be try to be open-minded about the feedback and think how how those can be applied. Uh, at least uh, for the racing pitch as well, I later noticed that there was again a few mistakes I made with the game, like the learning curve. Uh, I offset uh, or fixed that a bit later by putting in uh, party games based on player feedback, so that uh, there's some parts of the game which are really quite different compared to original challenging parts to make it more fun to play play the game. And uh, I also noticed that because I recycled some of the code from Pogo sticker for just the track or tile-based rendering and the collisions, even the collisions are not uh, in any kind of important part in this game. The, well, okay, they affect the game actually a little bit when the player bounces from the fences and that might, ha might, might help a lot in some points in the tracks, but anyway, I just reused code to save time, and uh, that, that led to the fact that uh, most of the curves in the game are just too too uh, too hard, hard to drive through because they are always 90 degrees curves, curves and there's just uh, one very sharp and uh, one a bit less sharper version of that. And uh, now later when I think of it, I see that the game should have a lot more of the uh, like easier curves instead of the sharp curves, which are very hard to drive, drive through without spinning out. When you released it to the public, what was the response? And the response have been quite uh, fun. Many people really think that it's kind of genius idea and stuff like that, and yeah. I have been saying, well, hearing a lot that it's uh, it's uh, very innovative and stuff like that, and uh, funny, one funny thing was in the assembly event where I put the game in that during that event, a guy from Creative Labs, or actually a guy who re represented them in Finland, uh, asked that if they can use the game to promote their some happenings in Finland. And uh, well, we made a little deal that I got some hardware and they got the permission to use the game. And I even created a little uh, special version of it with some their some of their logos in in the game. And uh, I then learn uh, uh, heard later that they used it in the launch of a new store in Finland. And only funny thing was again the fact that. Uh, People are too shy to play games like this in the public, but they said that it's a perfect game for for closed parties or the stuff like that, where people are a little bit more relaxed than uh, uh, just completely public place. Talk about this party mode feature. You mentioned adding it after you initially released the game. What inspired it, and do you know if it's working well? Um, well, the par party games, it's still kind of not not very finished but there's uh, just a uh, it allows a shorter game gameplay moments so that you don't get sore throat that quickly <laughs> and uh, so there's a kind of drag racing and there's a totally different 
game called Hot Air Balloon where you don't don't make the engine sound but instead you blow to the microphone to make noise and that kind of burns fuel in the hot air balloon and you raise, uh, raise uh, then higher by that. And I have a few ideas with similar different twists of audio as well but I haven't got around to yet to uh, creating those. But yeah, I think the party game mods, at least, uh, they seem to be working better by some feed feedback I have got. Like some friends have said that they have had a house party and played the game and said that it works better that way. Let's talk about the uh, audio gameplay experience that you've had. So you mentioned now using <clears throat> audio gameplay. Do you see? Or what are the ideas then that you have for either extending audio gameplay or are you thinking of making future games based on this vocal or audio type of gameplay? Well, I'm not ruling anything out, but for now I think I'm more interested in continuing for some with some physics stuff again. <laughs> so it's always, always nice to try out new and different things and that kind of Gives gives good perspective of what could be done and how 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 things could fit together and uh, used used to strengthen strengthen each other. So maybe it would be nice to find some some way to combine the audio with with, with some other game game aspects. But well, um, I'm still waiting for some <laughs> ideas based on that. I have ideas how how to use audio on physics, but. Not not audio input that much, uh, well, yet. You mentioned that you might go back to physics, but before you do go back to physics-based games, have you learned anything else in terms of audio gameplay? You mentioned that people are hesitant to, to play the game in public. Are there any other surprises that you've experienced with this whole exploration of the audio gameplay space? Well, no, no, not not any any really big big findings like that. One one funny thing is that uh, there's this Australian center for moving image, and they asked that they want to use the game as part of their exhibition there, and that's something we uh, made a contract about, and I gave gave them the permission to do that. And it's it's nice to see that there's this different kind of. Uh, Institutions were also interested in games and showing off different games, which are featuring something which hasn't been really seen before in games. So it's always a little bit more exposure that way. Have you also gotten a chance to play some of the uh, musical gameplay ideas, musical gameplay games, where, <clears throat> for example, there's this Mozart game where you have to piece together. Uh, different musical clips so that they finally make some compositional music. Have you played anything like that? Uh, it's not I've... exactly, it's definitely not like your thing, but it's it's another take on the audio gameplay aspect. Yeah, I, 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 that doesn't sound very familiar, but it sounds like a nice idea, at least if a player is kind of, at least uh, what I think about my mind now, about that idea when I hear it. It sounds like it's a nice way to emphasize on the fact that many people have already heard about the cla heard classic classic um, 
songs and one could use those as parts of the gameplay and that could work very well if if it's not exactly what you already meant about about some game after this game um what games now are you thinking of doing next well uh it's not really set in stone yet but uh, it could be one 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 more to the dismount series or at least something with a physical twist in it i'm quite sure of that and during this whole time have you been doing other things to either improve your game design skills or game programming skills or has it been mostly through these projects um, <clears throat> well I have focused more on software development than just game design skills. For about game design, it's usually not uh, not that very strict strict process for me. For me, it works out more like that. I think of a core idea for a game, maybe scribble out a page or two of notes to start with it, and then usually then I just dive in and start coding it. Uh, if there's some kind of new technical aspect or gameplay thing I'm not familiar before, I know they start out with making some prototypes first to test things out, and uh, maybe even some little parts of algorithm I create a separate program and see see how it works out, uh, maybe even visually. And so, so that's kind of one new aspect I have been starting embracing more to create different kinds of prototypes and use those as a base, to, base tools then when I create, uh, actually integrate the gameplay itself to a final pro product. Are these prototypes made during the two-week programming time window that you have or are these made during the year? Uh, well, uh, those have often been made outside of that time. For example, with Racing Bits I had uh, I had created those kind of prototypes just be before starting my vacation, and same happened with Pogo sticker. But uh, for this month games, I didn't have that kind of early, early start starting making making games. So because I have have been creating these kind of prototypes, it's nowadays have been harder to say how much I actually used time to create some some game because it was wasn't. Uh, uh, that strict time period for last of my two games, it's more more like uh, one and one and off uh, on and off development of on smaller phases. Hello. Yeah. Okay. What are your favorite indie games? Mm, they tend to change from time to time what I'm playing, but uh, I really liked uh, Metanet's N a lot, if you know the small ninja game made with Flash, and uh, I also like games like Hamster Ball and Cryptic quite a lot, and lately I have been playing uh, Phil Hassi's Galcon quite a lot, and I also like some of the games by Asset Designers, and the cr creators are actually my friends as well. What do you think about the future of indie games? Any opinions on new areas or new things that indie game indie game developers should explore? Well, I don't have any 
specific to say about what, what should be done. At least it looks like even big mainstream companies nowadays are starting to see the value of innovation. So it will not be any more a thing which would be solely uh, viewed as the indie thing. But still, with uh, games with a minimal budget are a great way to try out new things. And, and uh, there are still, still a lot of these different kinds of how, how you could control something with uh, totally differently and more, more to explore with things of like that. So I ho hope that indie, indie developers would, would uh, try out uh, that kind of things a bit more than just create uh, exact clones of some latest, uh, latest casual game craze which had been selling really well. I of course understand that that may be necessary kind of the way if they had to get that to support living or so, but still, still it would be nice nice to see more more different kind of tries on new kind of games. And what's the goal of your game studio then, of your indie game studio or your indie games that you develop? Well, so far I have been creating this kind of hobby project, so I haven't really uh, supported myself financially with any of this stuff stuff so far. But uh, soon it looks like I'm going to start creating this stuff uh, as full-time and leave my current day job. So that will naturally become a priority to get some financial stuff as, as well to support living uh, out of this at least at some point. So that's at least one one goal goal for the near future for me as well. Are you also going to look into extending the dismount series? Yeah, that's something I'm very seriously thinking about. Well, uh, so we'll see in a few months uh, what will be the ultimate decision on what I will be doing next. Do you have any last words for indie game developers out there? Well, keep on doing the great job, I think. <laughs> great. We're talking with Jetro from Skinflake. Thank you very much for your time. Take care. Yeah, thank you very much.